And love our worship team. They are amazing. All right. Well, on behalf of Lois and myself and my family, which will be here in the third service, we'll need those 16 seats right there. They'll all be here. And on behalf of, uh, on behalf of our staff, I just want to say Merry Christmas to all of you. In a moment, we'll be turning and reading some scriptures that you just heard from Matthew chapter 2. But first, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you that you are the King of kings, the Lord of lords. We thank you, Lord, that you're not only the word, you're the living word. And we ask you, God, to take uh, your word this morning and penetrate hearts and souls that we might be drawn closer to you. For those who don't know you, I pray their hearts will be softened and turned towards you this morning. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, you know me, I love this time of year because of all the lights, all the festivities, all the gifts, uh, the mistletoe with Lois. I love it. But most of all, I love it because it's about a king like no other. In Matthew chapter 2, uh, is the story of the wise men, which you heard about just a little bit ago, which uh, uh, is about some guys who were very wealthy, uh, came a long way to worship Jesus, probably from Persia, which would be in modern-day Iran now. You might think there were three of them because of the nativity scenes that we've all grown up with, but the truth is uh, there could have been dozens of these wise men and traveling together, and there could have been uh, military uh, people uh, traveling as well. But what we do know is that when they arrived uh, where Jesus lived, they opened up their treasure chests. It doesn't say one, it's chests, and presented to him some very unusual gifts, and we read about it in verses 10 and 11 in Matthew 2. So let's read that again. When they, the wise men, saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house, saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I don't know about you, but most of us like, what is frankincense? What is myrrh? So let me just tell you a little bit about that. The frankincense represents Jesus as our high priest. The high priest worshiped God on behalf of the people, and uh, they, they burned incense, which was frankincense, which filled the temple with a, a fragrant aroma that was irresistible to even God himself. And our worship creates that same aroma as we worship him. Myrrh represents Jesus as a suffering servant, uh, the sacrificial lamb of God. This gift is symbolic of his death on the cross for our sins, which he came uh, to earth to fulfill. So right from the very beginning of his birth, we see these gifts. But today, for Christmas Eve, we want to look at the gift of gold just for a moment. Throughout history, gold has been precious and scarce. It has been known, and you can write this down, gold represents the gift fit for a king. Gold was scarce and precious. It was very valuable, just like today, which is Gold is going for over $2,000 an ounce, and only the wealthy and the kings possessed it. The gift was a symbol of Jesus' kingship, and uh, his kingship was beyond this world. Today, I want to talk to you about a king like no other, 
But before we do that, I wonder if you'd be willing to play a game. Anybody willing to play a game? Come on. Now, I just want you to know your participation is essential if we're going to play a game. So I'm going to show you some images on the screen, and we're going to play a game called Name That King. And all of the answers have king in that answer, all right? So this game is no fun if you don't participate. I will show you the images, and then you will say, name that king, all right? Here's the first one. When you think of Simba, you guys are so good, all right? You're getting it all ready. When you think of a big, when you think of a big gorilla, King Kong. All right. I don't know what that last one was. King of the Apes. All right. Uh, when you think of a Whopper, a burger, what? All right. Hold the pickle, hold the lettuce. Special orders don't upset us. Okay. <laughs> if you think of scary novels. There he is. All right. All right. And this next one is for those that I would say are more of my generation. When you think of the king of smooth jazz, there he is, Nat King Cole. You younger people don't know this guy, but he's, he was amazing. Okay, here's the last one for you. If, when you think of the king of interviewers, there you go, right there. Do you know Larry King was once asked if you could interview anyone in the past or present in the world, who would you like to interview? You know what his answer was? Jesus Christ. Now, you need to know Larry King was Jewish. And because he said, I want to interview Jesus Christ because of his message of love and forgiveness and because he claimed to be a king, not of this world. So let's talk about Jesus being a king like no other. The Apostle Paul said this to Timothy. 1 Timothy 6.15, just ju at just the right time, Christ will be revealed from heaven by the blessed and only almighty God, the King of kings and Lord of all lords. Now, when Paul stated this in his present day Greek language, it was impossible for him to state this any more powerfully than he did. But in our language, in the English language, he was saying this, Jesus is the supreme authority over all the kingdoms of the world. He was saying the entire cosmos is in his hands, uh, the hands of King Jesus. He is a king like no other. Now, when we talk about kings, the people at the time of Jesus' arrival were expecting a Messiah that would be uh, dressed in royal ro robes, an incredible army, reside in a palace surrounded by wealth, luxury, and comfort. In our day, the baby king would have been placed in a crib with purple lining, would have had his Gucci onesies <laughs> and diaper bag. I looked up a Gucci diaper bag, 2,000 bucks. He would have had his baby Yeezys, <laughs> which Kanye, Kanye West Yeezys sold at an auction for $1.8 million dollars. This baby king, their shoe. Yeah, I didn't know. I had to look it up myself. But 
This baby king would have been looking seriously fly. He would have been dripping. He would have been, he would have had the sauce. All right. Now, I got a bunch of grandkids. Uh, all right. Now, listen. No one expected this king. I, I, I hope we really get this. this. Nobody would have expected this king to be born in poverty in a cave next to farm animals. And they certainly didn't expect the Messiah to be the son of a carpenter and to grow up in the little town called Nazareth. Even Nathaniel, when he heard about Jesus as a Messiah, he asked this question, can anything good come out of Nazareth? When I tell people I'm from Aberdeen, they say that. <laughs> no one predicted the Son of God, the King of Glory, would befriend prostitutes, touch lepers, and show love to those the religious leaders rejected. No one imagined this king would choose uneducated fishermen and despised tax collectors and rebellious troublemakers as his disciples. No one ever imagined this king doing the unthinkable by forgiving a woman caught in the very act of adultery when the law said she should be stoned. And then at the same time, he confronted the hypocrisy of the Pharisees over and over again. He would go into the temple and overturn the tables because they misused his offerings in his house for their own profit. They never imagined their Messiah, the king of the Jews, to ride into Jerusalem on a donkey of all animals. And the ones cheering his arrival as king would be the outcasts, the immoral, and the rejected ones. Sounds like our church. No one would have expected this king to stand trial for crimes he didn't commit. No one would have imagined that this innocent king would be beaten, whipped, bruised, and then stripped naked, nailed to a cross, hang on that cross for six hours, then die on that cross a criminal's death. No one would have imagined that this king, that the creator of all flesh and all creation, as he's hanging there, that the creation would mock him, spit on him, and then this king, while hanging there, would look up to heaven and say these words, Father, forgive them and pray for mercy on those who were torturing them. And when they offered him a drink to numb his pain, he rejected it so he could face the full agony of our sins. And then he declared, it is finished. I did what you sent me here to do, and now I commit my hands into you, or my spirit into your hands. No one expected this king to come to earth to die on a cross in front of people were mockers. And then when he breathed his last, there was no one predicting that the sky would grow dark, that the earth would shake and tremble, and that the world would lose hope. No one would have believed that they would take this dead king and place him in a buried, borrowed grave. No one expected that three days later when some women went to check on the tomb that the stone would be rolled away and find the body wasn't there. No one imagined that this tomb would be empty, that this king would rise from the dead and be alive today and that he sits on the throne in heaven next to his heavenly father and intercedes for you and me. 
I want to tell you about a king like no other. It's an incredible and unusual Christmas message because it's an unusual way for the king of the universe to show his love to a broken and sinful world. It's an unusual thing to me because when you look at this story in the very first century, you see three very distinct responses to Jesus as king and Luke read about it or read it to us in Matthew chapter 2. And yet, oddly enough, I just want you to know, there were three characters in that story. And yet, oddly enough, 2,000 years later, we see the exact same responses to Jesus as king. In fact, I'm guessing if you had the courage to be honest enough, you might find yourself right in the middle of one of these three very distinct and very common responses. Let me give you the first one. It's represented by a man you've all heard about over the years, His name is Herod. Herod opposed Jesus as king. He wanted to guard and protect his kingship. So he issued a decree that all the boys uh, under two years of age should be put to death because there might be a king who might threaten his kingdom. I think he thought it had to be under two because these wise men might, might have been traveling for two years or under two years to find Jesus. I don't know if you can identify with Herod this morning, but maybe some of you this morning might be saying, I don't need religion. I don't need that God stuff. I don't need that Jesus guy in my life. I'm doing just fine on my own. I don't want anybody telling me what to do. And whether you know it or not, you are opposing Jesus as your king. You might say, I'm going to do life my way. I'm going to let some, I'm not going to let some outdated book called the Bible or church tell me what to do. I've got this. I don't need this Jesus in my life. That's opposing Jesus as your king. There's also a second group, and uh, they were, it's really profoundly common today in our time. This group was called the Jewish priests. They're the ones that Herod called on to find out about this, this king. They, they didn't oppose Jesus, but you can write this down if you're taking notes. The Jewish priests dismissed Jesus as king. These guys dismissed Jesus from their lives. They just blew him off, which is really bizarre because these Jewish priests actually quoted a scripture in the Old Testament taught from Micah 2, which tells us their Messiah and king would come from Bethlehem. And these priests, get this, Herod and these priests were only five miles away from Bethlehem, and they didn't show up to worship this king or even out of curiosity to see if he was there. The same thing happens all the time in our day. Hey, do you want to come to church? Do you want to experience the presence of God and see what it's like? You know what? Uh, thanks, but no thanks. Hey, would you like to read and study God's word with me? I'm telling you, this Bible is amazing. It's alive. It's powerful. It's a love letter written just to you and me. It, it, it'll bring freedom and hope to your life. And the answer comes back, nah, 
I got a football game to watch right uh, during that time. I think the Seahawks are playing in about an hour. I think I can't really make it. And I have, I have a buddy group on Sunday nights and on Monday nights and on Thursday nights that are my football buddies. You know, it's football season. Maybe after football season. Oh, wait a second. It's hunting season. Oh, wait a second. It's fishing season. Oh, wait a second. It's summer and it's not raining. I don't have time. Hey, would you like to be part of a church called Harbor City Church? Where they go all over Grace Harbor, where they send hope to everybody they know. In fact, would you like to go on a mission trip, maybe to Africa or Bulgaria or Mexico or maybe a place called Georgia near the Ukraine? And they answer, nah, I got to get to Grandma's house to eat and unwrap presents. They have gag gifts there. Laugh a lot. It's awesome. The food is incredible. In fact, last year, I got a popcorn tin, and I'm still using that same popcorn. Yeah. <laughs> and the Jewish priests did what is so common today. They just dismissed Jesus as king. But then there were the wise men. Here's what they did, and you can write this down if you're taking notes. The wise men bowed down to Jesus as king. They had the ultimate response of awe and honor to the God of heaven who became one of us in the person of Jesus Christ. And they said this in their hearts. It's not about me. It's not about my throne or my desires. But with everything within me, I bow down and I surrender myself to God. I bow my my posture before him and I want to show him my reverence and show him that I know he's the king of the universe. Now, just out of curiosity, and I want to ask you this in the most sincere way that I know how. What is your response to this king today? I don't need him. I got this, then you're opposing him. And maybe you're like a lot of people today. You're just dismissing him. I did the church thing when I was a kid, and that's good for some people, and I just want you to know that uh, as I did grow up in the church, I want you to know many people grew up in church, and they know about Jesus, but they don't know him. My family was not raised in church, especially on my father's side. But uh, my mom thought church would be good for my brother and I. So they sent us to this little country church that still exists in Central Park on Karjala Road. And that pastor preached fire and brimstone, literally scared the hell out of Pinky and I. And we, we walked to the altar that day and gave our lives to Jesus. We were four and five, so our mom could get a break from us. Like I said, our parents didn't go to church, but my mom believed church was good for us. That preacher, uh, all I can say is that he, he scared the willies out of us so much, we went to the altar every Sunday from then on. We learned about Jesus as our Savior that day, and we definitely got our fire insurance but we didn't know him the way I wanted to know him. Our parents 
started going to church when I was around six. We knew God was doing something in both their hearts because they started hiding their cigarettes and their booze when the pastor came over to visit. Soon they both gave their hearts to Jesus. When I was 12, that's when it changed for me. I was standing at a school bus stop that would take me to Hopkins Junior High. And I heard in my spirit a voice that said, I've called you into ministry. I didn't know exactly what that meant except I would preach the hell out of people like that pastor did to us. (laughs) After high school, I started attending Grace Harbor College and I heard the voice of the Lord tell me, Lois is the one I've chosen for you. She's the one I want you to marry. Lucky Lois. (laughs) So I pursued her and she finally relented. We got married in 1975 and it's been blessed, bliss ever since. No, not true. We moved to Portland, I went to Bible college and we almost got divorced in our first year of marriage. I tell that to you because that should give you hope. We're so glad that neither one of us followed through with those thoughts. We wouldn't have had our kids and we wouldn't have gotten to know all of you. Truthfully, there are times we have all opposed Jesus, just like here. We don't want anyone telling us what to do. We want to be our own boss. There are times when we have dismissed Jesus, like the the priests, thinking someday, but not today. I have better things to live for in my life right now. But truth is, people like myself, my brother Pinky, my wife, my father, my mother, we all had an aching in our souls and a longing for something more. We all knew there was something and someone to live our lives for over pursuing the American dream. And in some cases, like my dad told me, he had guilt and shame that just wouldn't go away until he called on the name of the Lord. He tried to be good, but the more he tried, the more he failed. What happens when you try to live by rules and regulation, church becomes a religion, becomes a place of rituals. It's about some historic story. But something kept drawing all of us back to a deeper relationship with this man called Jesus Christ. And it wasn't just this little baby, although it was great to see the little baby every year in the manger and that love story, that part of the love story. It wasn't this guy that petted lambs and had kids sit in his lap. The part that really drew me was that he was a king who stripped himself of the glory of heaven, born of a virgin in poverty in a cave and reaching out to the lowest of the low. Those who are despised in our context of today, it would be those who just can't get it right. Those who are financially a mess. Those whose first marriage and maybe their second and third marriage didn't work out and now they're in a bad place again. Those who you use substances to numb the pain and try to find meaning in all the wrong places and going to bed longing for something more instead of hurting and feeling empty. 
He came for people like that. And that kind of people is me. And he loved me and he loved Lois and he loved my parents right where we were. And he forgave us, not because we were good, but because he's incredibly good. And I just want you to know this king that changed my life so much. I want you to experience him that way too. I remember hearing a pastor say, Christmas is the toughest service to preach. He called it a pass-through service. He said lots of people come not because they want to be here, but because they are with family and they drag them from their house to the church. You feel forced to be here, but truthfully, you're just passing through. That's what he said. You're on your way to grandma's house to receive gifts and eat the food. This church thing is just part of the trip. So this pastor said, it's really tough to preach to people and to reach people because they're just passing through. My prayer this morning is that you're not just passing through. That if you've been opposing him and dismissing him, that somehow today you would see the unusual love of God and how much uh, he loves you and it will compel you to worship him today for the rest of your life. Let me just tell you quickly about my king. He's not some distant, angry, uninvolved judge waiting for you to mess up. He's not the man upstairs. He's not the big guy in the sky. But he's the Lord of lords, the Lord of all lords, the king of all kings. Would you stand with me as we're going to sing a song. We're still going to do candlelight in just a moment. But let me just tell you this king according to scripture. He's the king of glory, the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of all kings. The king, this king heals the sick. He opens blind eyes. He heals deaf ears. He strengthens the weak. He delivers the captives. He restores those who are broken and hurting. He's a shelter in your time of trouble. He's a light in your darkness. He's a prince of peace. He's a lamb of God. He's a resurrection and the life. His goodness is indescribable. His power is incomprehensible. His grace is irresistible. At his name, darkness flees. At his name, demons flee. Though the devil hated him, he couldn't stop him. Death could not defeat him. The grave could not hold him. He's the beginning and the end. He's a king like no other king. And I want you to know him. I want to sing this song right now that you sang earlier. I want you to take a moment to just prepare your heart, begin to worship him. Even if you don't know him, just sing these words and worship the King of Kings. Let's sing together.